Steve, happy Monday. How's it going? Uh, fantastic. It's a beautiful Monday in Boise, Idaho. How about you? Oh, it's good, man. It's, uh, we had a bunch of snow and ice here last week. Little people freak out with snowmageddon, um, <laughs> but starting to melt, which is nice. Um, co-co-host is on the line as well. Jake Poo, have a check. How are you, sir? Great. Doing great. Had a great weekend. Yeah. Yep, you yep. Uh, did some snowboarding and ice fishing and I don't know what else. Uh, snowboarding, ice fishing, just hanging out. Went, uh, went and celebrated Patty Bucket's 35th birthday. So that was fun. Yeah. Just hung out. Cool. How was the ice fishing? Uh, slow. slow. Very slow. Yeah. We caught three total. And mm. it, yeah, apparently Cascade Lake is known for uh, pulling in some big perch right now, but we did not hit the afternoon bite. The one o'clock bite, the two, three, four. Yeah, it, it stunk, man. <laughs> none of the bites. Or <laughs> one of the, <laughs> yeah, one of the one of our buddies, Dan. Um, and he's a ice fishing fool, and uh, he wouldn't he wouldn't give up. That was it was the joke. Like, all right, uh, we got to hit the one thirty bite. All right, the two o'clock bite. It was. <laughs> I, I appreciated his dedication. That's for sure. <laughs> Meanwhile, you're just like sitting back and over it after the first hour. I mean, yeah, I caught the first one. Or I caught, I caught the the second one, and then I was like, "Ah, oh, man, I'm accepting the fact that ice fishing slow." So then I just ate tons and tons of food, you know. So kept myself busy. <laughs> Speaking of you and eating tons and tons of food, obviously being such a young strapping man, you were on the bulk train for a while. You're still trying to get swole. Uh, I mean, I'm always trying to get swole, Mark. <laughs> I mean, the gain train never ends. <laughs> I, no, I haven't been paying attention to it too much. No. Gotcha. Um, <laughs> Cool. Well, we are all getting ready to take off here uh, to go to Hunt Expo this week and then the Pacific Northwest Sportsman Show the week following in Portland. Um, So we mentioned that prior, but just again, especially for folks, if you need anything from us, we'd be a little bit harder to get a hold of than normal just because the vast majority of the office will be out. Uh, We will still have uh, Bella be helping answer phones guys will still be there shipping. So uh, we'll definitely still be operational, but if you're sending emails or things like that, we're a little bit slower to reply over the next couple of weeks. That's why. So appreciate the patience in that. Uh, And then quickly wanted to mention as well for the Portland show for the Pacific Northwest Sportsman show, there's a $3 off promo code you can use if you're going to buy tickets online in advance. Um, and that's with our buddies at born and raised outdoors. So you can just use the promo code bro, B R O, and that'll get you $3 off admission for that show. Um, and then I'm pretty sure we have one that you're going to be able to show on your phone. If you don't get, uh, tickets in advance or be able to print. And so we should be sharing that this week um, in our email that goes out. So if you guys don't get our emails, just go to xlmountgear.com forward slash newsletter, and you can sign up for that super quick. Um, cool. I have some topics and listener questions, uh, for today, but Jake, I know that you did too. So I'll let you kick it off. What's uh, first on your agenda to tackle today? Um, yeah. So recently last week I was kind of going through some DMS and one guy reached out and I basically just said, wondering why Steve and Mark just, I wouldn't say hate, but I would probably say despise if this is a fair word to say uh, towards soft shells. Is that true? Do you guys despise them, hate them? You know, what, what, what's kind of your guys' stance on those? Um, I, they're 
I wore a soft shell that was like a really old first light one when we went up to Kodiak. And when you're just day hunting, uh, it was fantastic. The For me, it's just a, a warmth to weight ratio from a backpacking perspective. They just don't have a place. Um, you just jump right up to a down puffy uh, from your base, like your mid base layer. So um, they're not, you know, they're not fully waterproof. They can't replace a rain jacket. They're not near as warm as the puffy. Um, they're more uh you know they're i guess they're closer in warmth to like a you know a mid layer and so that's just why I, yeah i've always for not packed one gotcha see i don't know i i do like them but see are you sticking with like the three layer category for you know mostly anything you know base mid puffy yeah, layer 100 yeah thin okay. wool layer medium wool layer or um that that grid fleece for mid and then gotcha. a puffy jacket and then the the only exception is rain jacket on the rare occasion that i need to pack that but those three to slash four items pretty much you know i just throw them in my pack and i don't have to think like what's the temperature i mean unless it's unless it's going to be consistently under 20 degrees uh those those three items take me from uh, 20 all the way to obviously as warm as it gets yeah yeah okay yeah Yeah, i was talking to the yeah go ahead go ahead mark I got, I've gotten a lot of flack for this based on previous comments on the podcast, which I think we only <laughs> talked about it once, but I said before, I don't basically what Steve said for backpack hunting, there's just a lot of better options out there. And I, as I said, soft shells are the minivan of the hunting apparel world. <laughs> and that's why so, you get so much flack for it. <laughs> but no, I, people take that as really derogatory. And I mean, that as a compliment, like a minivan does a lot of things well just doesn't excel at much of anything. So, I mean, you could have a minivan and haul lumber, but it's not going to haul heavy loads like a truck would. And, <laughs> you know, you could take the kids to practice. Like a minivan is like a Swiss army knife. And so is a soft shell, but it has limitations. And, you know, you don't want to off-road in a minivan, which I've tried before. Jared could tell you a fun story about that one. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they do a lot of things well. It's just, again, for what is my quote unquote typical use case in most hunts and backpacking, they don't make a lot of sense because weight, bulk, lack of warmth, yeah. lack of protection. It, it, but you said Kodiak, Stephen, I think we were in different places, different days, hunting with different people, but uh, it was you, me, uh, Jake, you and I, um, Jason and someone, I think, I can't remember who. Corey? And Corey, yeah. yeah. And so the four of us got dropped off. And it was a not a pleasant morning conditions wise. Like it was kind of misty, kind of wet, cold, damp. And all of you guys had soft shells and I didn't. And I was jealous. It was like the (laughs) perfect condition for soft shells because we were moving, but moving slow, not super active. It was, you know, wet, but not crazy wet out. So like you needed some warmth, you needed some protection, um, and you guys nailed it. Like for me, it was too warm for a puffy. And then my mid layer didn't have kind of enough protection uh, for the moisture and the snow. So a soft shell would have been perfect in that. Um, and it was perfect in that, but it's yeah. just, yeah, it's for most of my hunts. They don't make a lot of sense. Hmm. I, was, I wonder if like, uh, what's the first lights grid fleece Klamath? Klamath. Yeah. 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 So like a hybrid, like a little bit tougher outer shell with that face. fabric. Yeah, like a, a DWR face to it. That could be a pretty cool piece. Um, so, I mean, technically, yeah. that is the catalyst from First Light, but maybe just a little bit more fleece on the inside. 
Cause that's how I like all last hmm. season, like from Kodiak and then deer season. <clears throat> and no, I did not wear a soft shell for elk season, but a base, a Klamath, a catalyst, it is killer because it keeps you warm and then also cuts wind. So I was just doing this for your own sake, guys, just to see if you wanted to change your, uh, change your, you know, an opportunity to redeem yeah, ourselves. Yeah. But now you, I'm just, uh, hopefully you guys know that you're, you're going to be getting a lot of DMS, you know, mm-hmm. emails, just a bunch of hate mail. So I was doing it for yeah. your own good. I mean, I just think hashtag soft shell day hunter is like a thing. It should be great. <laughs> Hey, if I did hashtags, are you, I don't know. Are, are you like calling me out for day hunting? I mean, I tagged out on first day on deer season. I mean, I'll take that as a compliment. Uh, yeah, heck yeah, it is. <laughs> I mean, I, I have nothing wrong with day hunting for sure. Yeah. And it's funny going back to the three layer and this is getting off topic, but still thinking through apparel. Um, I'm considering going synthetics for my goat hunts, uh, even on base layers just because there's like a high probability of a lot of moisture. Um, and yes, you have the whole aspect of, uh, you know, Merino's warm when wet, but I think when you're in those conditions where even if it's not just precipitation, I mean, this is obviously somewhat of a, a coastal hunt as well. It's just really high humidity, high moisture weather and a good chance of precipitation. Um, just from the dryness factor, you know, crawling in, if I have to, um, into a sleeping bag and kind of getting dry, getting warm, I'm considering synthetics as base layers for the first time in quite a bit for, for hunting specifically. I do use them for other things. Right. I was, I was actually considering that for the death hike and you guys, I don't think I've ever seen you guys wear a Merino base layer all the years I've done the death hike. Um, like how does that compare? Like, yeah. Cause I know last year, both of you guys didn't wear uh, merino base layer like that you know is there pros cons to that you know, is there a reason why you know just purely you know because it uh, makes moisture better you mean oh there's like the top yeah yeah um yeah i guess just i mean i still wear merino base layer hunting but the, yeah. when it's hot like that i was wearing that patagonia capoline and that it's uh for hiking in the heat that thing's incredible um but obviously last year's death like was cold. I still wore one. Um, except for the first day when it was hot as balls on that canyon. <laughs> well, are we allowed to say that? Oh, it's yeah. your podcast anyway. Yeah, so. sure. <laughs> yeah I, right I think for, I don't know, maybe every death hike, uh, at least since I've started them, going back to the, the very first one I've done, I remember buying this piece for that death hike. But um, the Outdoor Research Echo hoodie, is a lightweight sun hoodie. And, um, yeah, like going back to that very first death hike, I knew it was going to be warm. I wanted something that was incredibly light, breathable, would also dry quick from perspiration, um, and then had some sort of sun protection. So even though it was warm, I wanted long sleeves. I wanted a hood. I wanted to have my neck and ears covered. Um, and I would just absolutely love a piece like that. Um, for those long hikes, I wore it on the hundred miler. I've worn it on a bunch of the death hikes and I, I run in it and do all kinds of other stuff um, as well. So I actually need one. Mine's because I've used it hard for a bunch of years. It's pretty well worn, um, still solid and usable, but you can pick those up. I don't know. MSRP on one's probably 65 bucks, but you could probably find them on sale cheaper um, at times. And they're a great piece for sure. Yeah. Right on. Cool. Cool. <clears throat> oh, one last thing, you know, uh, and then I'll let you take over Mark, but, um, 
yeah, I get, I get the whole, uh, do not disturb, you know, set those, uh, set the do not disturb thing on at like 10 PM, but what's up with <laughs> Steve and Mark setting up, do not disturb at like 6 PM. Yeah. It's like, what the heck are you guys like 60 years old already? Well, let's assume not everybody knows what do not disturb is Jake. Oh, okay. So like on Apple iPhone, you can change it. You can put a do not disturb thing on there where it, you know, blocks out all the calls and texts and doesn't send a notification. So I'm, I went to go text Steve probably at like 4 30 PM <laughs> and I see, I I'm looking at my phone right now and it's That's just, my Steve question is how do you know? Because it shows Steve has notifications silence. So if I go to text him, well, I'm going to text them right now, and it says, "I'm happy to serve you." What would you? What do you mean? <laughs> so I don't. I, I think it's, it's a just Jake, Jake setting. Yeah, maybe Steve just purposely blocked me. But even yeah. for you, Mark, I mean, you even emailed us saying, "Like, if you cannot reach me, here's my wife's number." Like, what the heck are you guys? Well, old? it's uh, <laughs> it's like older and have different priorities. And then when you're home with the family, I just want to be home with the family, and that's true. Turn the phone off and. And then I just set the precedent. Like if you text me, it may take three days to get back to you. <laughs> but I mean, for, I mean, for me, you know, there was so many years when uh, I was running both SNS and XO simultaneously. And I answered any and every phone call, you know, at eight, nine o'clock at night, weekends, Sundays, like, uh, so, you know, that part is, um, uh, I'm uh, recouping from those days, I guess. Where it's it's a well-deserved like, break. Yeah, it's, on, it's the weekend or it's the evening, and I just want to be home with my kids and be present and not uh, not be you know overwhelmed with text messages and phone calls. Yeah, I respect yeah. that. I had sent you guys, all the XO guys, <laughs> an email and basically said the same. Like, hey, if you can't reach me in the evening and it's urgent, here's my wife's number just in case. Because more and more, I not only have my phone and do not disturb, but just try and physically put it like out of sight, out of mind in the evening. Um, but literally I sent the email. I think it was that evening. I talked to you, <laughs> Jake, Steve, and Pat all between like six and 8 PM. And I was like, well, at least I'm trying. <laughs> I mean, I think this could be a good life lesson for anybody. Just, you know, put the phone out of sight, out of mind when you're doing something else. It could be yeah, a perfect lesson for me because a 21 year old like me definitely spends more time than I should be on my phone. So yeah. Maybe and it's... I'm not, yeah, I, I think the thing for me is I'm trying to have good habits, but it is hard. Um, it's, you know, for so long, we've gotten so used to like constant connection and constant availability and having like a device always there. Um, and I just purposely have to be intentional because it's the default now. I think that's the thing is it, it's the default to be connected, to have the device, to and I have for years have had notifications off on my phone from apps, like none of them. Um, but even just texting calls, it's like trying to limit that somewhat um, is just really important. I think it was funny. My wife and I were talking about this this weekend and I, we weren't talking about phones and notifications. We we're actually talking about social media a little bit, but I think in, I don't know if it's in three years or five years or 10 years or however long we're going to look back at, like now in the last full, you know, handful of years in the acceleration of technology and almost look at it like we do looking at smoking now. So if you, mm. you know, it's like, oh, in the fifties and sixties, everybody smoked and we thought it was good for you. And it was just so normal. And you did it in the office and you did it in those little planes we fly in now in Alaska, like you see those ashtrays and it's like a relic from the past. Um, and technology is going to continue to accelerate and be part of our lives, obviously, 
but I think there's certain aspects of it where again, in like three, five, 10, however long we're going to look back at now and go, God, what were we thinking? You know, mm. um, the fact that it was this normal to do this, uh, we're going to figure out it's not super great for us, but anyway, this is supposed to be a hunting podcast. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> all right, Mark, take it away. Uh, all right. We've gotten quite a few uh, questions recently on women's packs, and we've talked about this on and off for shoot a year and a half, maybe pushing two years now. Um, but basically, we've talked about releasing a women's pack, and actually, this probably is right about two years, Steve, going back to uh, some of our previous experiences with shows like Hunt Expo and trying to mm-hmm. fit ladies and seeing more and more demand for uh, women's packs. Um. So the short version is we have them uh, and they're available now. They're just not on the website. Um, and so we've been getting a lot of questions about that. So I just wanted to let the audience kind of know because, um, yeah, we've been quiet about it, but they're there. We've had, you know, literally 100 plus, probably hundreds of ladies running them, even going back to testing we did in the summer of what would it have been 2020? Yeah, um, 2020. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, they've been out there. They've been great. Um, Steve, I guess you can hit on why we did it and how they're built and what's different, what's the same. Uh, but we've just been getting a lot of questions even recently. So I want to throw it out there for folks that they are available. You just basically contact us and we'll give you all the info you need. Um, yeah, that one stemmed purely from that, you know, 2020 show season. We had just launched K3 in 2019, and then we were at these two shows, Portland and Hunt Expo, and there was just a, it wasn't like a small uptick. It was, you know, going from, it was going from years past where maybe over the course of, you know, a show, one or two women would walk into the booth and be like, Hey, I want to try, try on a pack, see how it fits me. It was like 20 or 30 per, per show. It was a massive uptick in it. Um, I just got done designing K3 and I knew I built K3 very modular, right? Like everything can be swapped out between the belts and the frame lower and the frame upper and the harness. Um, I did that very intentionally from um, just kind of an ease of, well, there's many reasons for it. Um, production wise, manufacturing, uh, storing in the warehouse, uh, you know, warranty replacement. If we ever have to do something, it's, you know, all in pieces so we can easily swap things out for customers. Um, but then along with that came, man, I could, I got to just change these three things and we can convert a K3 into a women's pack. Um, so we did it just took like a couple months, got it all designed up. And then yeah, that first year, that summer of 2020, we made a bunch of them, sent them out to some women for feedback. It was great. Made more in the fall. Uh, and then all of 2021, we've been making them and selling them the whole time. It's just never, uh, never put them on the website cause it's not, um, frankly, we're just growing too fast and too busy that, uh, um, just, there's just one more thing to like have to manage and put out there, but it was kind of easier just to leave it behind the scenes. And, um, and if somebody needed one, if they reached out to us, we were able to provide it and kind of leaving and leaving that as it is for 2022 as well. So they're there, they exist. Um, they're pretty sweet. We, and we've also had, you know, um, had plenty of people put it on their eight-year-old son who's five foot four and 80 pounds and uh it's been you know awesome so um they're a pretty cool product yeah even uh you said eight-year-old 
boys, even 30 year old dudes who are also five foot four, five <laughs> yeah, foot yeah. five. Right. Like, right. Right. Yeah. yeah. So we say, we call it by default, the women's pack, but it's really any small frame. Any, yeah. Small frame yeah. situation. So it's like our short K three frame starts at 24 inches. Um, but these are going to take that down, uh, quite a bit more. Um, like I yeah, 20, is it, I think it's and 20 and a half. And then, yeah. so with the frame extensions it adjusts to 22, um, and speaking of frame extensions and things like that, the difference in these is the size and how certain things are cut, such as the shoulder harness. It's not features, function, materials, design, anything else. Like it's a full on full blown K3 system, meat hauling, load capacity features, like Everything that's built into K3 is built into these. It's just scaled down to fit that shorter uh, figure better. So um, once again, they're available. Um, Trying to think any questions that come up. We only do them in Ranger Green is one thing to know if you're interested. But uh, yeah, if you are interested, just give us a call or shoot us an email and we'll get you more info. And then if you look at uh, wanting to pick one up, we'll work with you on it. All right. Also another recent one. Um, I have like this big list of Monday minute questions, but this week I was like, women's packs came up several times in last week. And this topic came up several, several times in last week and different questions related to bivy sacks. Um, and we've mentioned obviously using bivy sacks with tarps in the past quite a bit. Um, we haven't always dove deep into specific models, design elements, things like that. And part of the reasons for that is uh, I think both you and I, the Steve, the bivy and the tarp uh, that we primarily use are uh, not made anymore. So it's not easy for us to be like, oh yeah, just go get this one. Um, So let's start with this one. This is a, yeah, there's a lot packed into this one that we can tease out, but this guy said, I'm planning to purchase a bivy primarily for use as a ground sheet in my TP. I've tried other options for ground sheets, including Tyvek and EVA foam, and I found drawbacks to both. I also plan to try the bivy under a tarp during fair weather adventures. My concerns are mainly in regards to condensation against my sleeping bag, especially on multi-day outings. I'm looking at the bivvies from Bora gear. So Bora has their standard mm-hmm. bivy and then also a bug bivy, which is just netting essentially uh, with a floor. But he says, I'm hoping some of your insights can help guide my decision and which one to go with. It goes without saying that the bug bivy won't have condensation issues, but I think I would prefer the use of a water resistant bivy for my secondary use under the tarp. Finally, if you have ever used a bivy inside a teepee with a stove, I would love to hear about any experiences with a bivy in a heated setting. Um, so yeah, a whole bunch in there. It, what stands out to me is he mentions his primary use being in his TP um, mm-hmm. and using a bivy for that, which again, he mentioned he did, but it sounds like not always is he running a stove. I don't, I've never done that. Um, really. What do any thoughts on that? Steve running a bivy inside of essentially in this case, a fully enclosed shelter. Um, yeah, I've done it. I uh, did it on a mountain goat hunt quite a few years back. No issues at all. It's great. Um, I like the bivy just because, um, even when you're in that setting, just keeps bugs off you, right? You don't have to worry about an ant crawling across your face. And, um, I'm kind of a light sleeper. So something like that wakes me up. Right. And then all of a sudden you're like, Oh God, is there more ants crawling on me or whatever? 
Um, so just be able to zip up into it and just go to sleep and not have to worry about it. I sleep better. Um, I remember early on, I was concerned about the mesh, you know, laying on your face and it's just flat out, like not an issue at all. Um, you barely, barely notice it's there. So, uh, excuse me. Um, yeah, just no issues. It was fantastic. So I think that um, mountain goat hunt, you guys ran a stove as well. So you've run it in a heated shelter. Yeah. 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 Yeah, for ground cloth, just to mention, like, yes, you can use a bivy for that purpose. It's obviously, I don't say it can be overkill, but it's giving you more protection than you may quote unquote need. Um, he mentioned using Tyvek, excuse me, and foam. Um, another one I use quite a bit if someone's just looking for a very cheap light ground cloth is just uh, Polycro. You can buy that as a ground cloth from companies like Gossamer Gear, but it's basically the like the window film, the heat to shrink window film that people use for insulation. And so you can get that at Home Depot or what have you. Uh, but it's just a good one to throw out there if guys are just hearing ground sheet and are interested in something very light. Um, getting back to the bivy and his question, Steve, we can talk about the Bora bivvies specifically or, and also just relate this to different offerings, uh, one of which... Uh, catabatic gear, for example, has a couple bivy options. And in general, when you look at bivvies, you're, you're going to see differences in approach on how much protection is offered, uh, versus how much they're focusing on either ventilation or obviously just ultra light weight. Um, he mentioned the Bora bivy and then the Bora bug bivy, the Bora bug bivy is really just like almost all mesh um, again, except for the floor. And so you're not getting any protection on the top or really on the sides. Um, The standard Bora bivy is going to be more comparable to a lot of what you and I have used Steve or what Catabatic has. And so you're going to have the ultralight bivy. Yeah. You're going to have protection on your legs and on your midsection and then more netting, um, and mesh up top for breathability. So he mentioned two use cases, one's inside the full shelter. The other is with a tarp and fair weather. What would your thoughts be on basically how much protection versus how much breathability? Um, I'm not, yeah. So I've been, the, Bivy I have is from Jimmy's Tarps. They, they're no longer around. Uh, looking at the Bora Gear Ultralight Bivy, it's near identical. I think the Catabatics very similar as well. So basically, you know, uh, mesh from your head down to you know your basically probably belly button, and then you know from that down is a fabric. The biggest advantage I've found is the amount of warmth um, that a bivy adds to my sleeping system. Um, especially I think it's kind of exaggerated with a quilt, right? Cause you, you're really eliminating any of the side drafts. Um, and so it, it, to me, it'd be less protection and more how much, like I feel like it adds a legit 10 degrees to, to how uh, cold I can sleep. Um, then as far as, you know, as far as protection, protection goes, it's kind of a moot point because, um, yeah, I, I'm never sleeping. It's because of all the mesh at your chest. You're not sleeping out underneath, you know, where rain it's going to rain directly on you. You're underneath a tarp. You're in a tent. Um, my favorite, favorite way to sleep with a baby sack is find a tree with some good overhanging branches and sleep in the tree well underneath it. 
um, the condensation is almost completely eliminating because all that condensation sitting on the tree branches above you. Uh, it's always like warm and cozy in there. It's a great place to sleep. Um, so for me, it's, yeah, just, uh, you gotta you're basically get in a ground cloth underneath you to protect the pad. Um, you've got the mesh over your face to keep bugs and stuff from crawling on you. And then you've got the, you know, the rest of the fabric down low to keep you warm. So it's just a perfect combination and I'll, yeah, I'll take it, uh, whether I'm sleeping, um, you know, underneath the tarp, which is kind of the standard mode, uh, inside of a TP that's floorless, I'll take it. Um, what, I, what I have done, um, I think the first, you know, couple of years of using, I always pitch the tarp and then I just stopped like, if it's a beautiful, clear night. Again, I'll find, um, if I can, I'll find a tree and, um, just crawl up underneath it inside the baby sack. And I've done that even, um, in like 10 degree weather. It's fantastic. Uh, it's super warm and, um, yeah, it's a great way to do it. The versatility is just is just unmatched. Mm-hmm. And it's worth mentioning, you know, as we talk about when we say bivy, it's some people are going to, I don't want to say understand what we're talking about. They're going to understand and be familiar with more of the style and models of bivy. But some guys may only hear bivy and think of something like the outdoor research helium bivy or, mm-hmm. you know, Basically the Gore-Tex full Gore-Tex. Yeah. yeah. So like if you go into like REI or similar stores and look at their offerings of bivvies, it's not even really the same thing we're talking about. Um, the bivvies that we're talking about are going to be much lighter, much more minimal, usually from cottage manufacturers and not in an REI. So like at OR, OR Helium, you're talking like probably 20 ounces full Gore-Tex has a built-in hoop and pull, and it's just a bigger, heavier, bulkier system that yes, does add protection. Um, the bivvies we're talking about are going to be much lighter, like anywhere from five to on the high end, eight ounces and, and much more minimal again, because we're using them, um, either in very mild conditions, which you just talked about Steve or with uh, a tarp, um, over them. So, just keep that in mind uh, is if you're new to the concept of bivvies, that that's what we're talking about. So again, you mentioned Jimmy's uh, tarps, which again is no longer made. I have one from enlightened equipment. It's the recon bivvy. I have no idea why they don't make that anymore, but they don't. Uh, it's a fantastic bivvy. Uh, this one listener mentioned the Bora gear bivvy, which would be a good option. Um, if I were shopping today, I'd be looking at the bivvy options from catabatic gear. Um, so some of the things to consider is yes, all of what we discussed on materials and things like that. There's other nice things in my enlightened equipment recon, for example, um, that also catabatic has in theirs, but again, depending on where and how you intend to use this, uh, my enlightened equipment recon has stake loops or, um, yeah, tent stake loops essentially, uh, at the corner. So you could stake it out if you want to make sure you have the full profile, um, it also has, um, a, uh, I want to say drawstring, but that's not the right word, but essentially, uh, a bungee at the face netting to where if you are doing what you mentioned, Steve, of like, you have a branch overhead, or if you're running it inside of a tarp, you have a trekking pole support overhead. You can pull that mesh off of your face by connecting it to something above you. Um, and it just gives you a bit more, uh, I don't want to say comfort, but if you don't like the idea of mesh or you just want more room 
you can do that both at the head and the foot end. And so those are small things that you might consider. Um, those are built into the catabatic bivvies, for example, um, as well as another nice thing built into those is they have uh, lightweight, minimal, um, but would be helpful uh, straps to secure your sleeping pad in place. So if you're more concerned about sliding around, uh, you're not on the best surface, you can actually kind of connect the bivy to your sleeping pad, which could be nice. So again, those are some options to throw out there. Um, obviously he's asking about condensation as we've talked about, you know, it depends on the materials, um, depends on how you're using it, where you're using it, obviously conditions, uh, anything else that the style of baby sack that I've been using the condensations like flat out a non-issue. I get as much or more inside of a tent with, without one. Um, which has never been an issue. I don't know why. I don't know if it's just the, the fabric is that breathable or whatnot. Uh, the, the biggest thing I've ever found is, is just if you can have something overhead when you go to sleep. So um, basically trees, that's obviously your only option out there. Um, maybe an overhanging rock or something that you kind of crawl underneath, but um, that stops, you know, that reduces 80% of the condensation um, versus if you have like a really nice, clear, you know, it's just straight up to the stars above you. Um, condensation will be there, but typically it's um, usually a, it's a wake up. And if there is condensation, it's almost all frozen. Uh, and I just take the bag inside out and, and shake it off, you know, shake off all the little ice chunks. Um, mm. And it's not just, it's, ne- it's never been an issue. I've never, ever been like, Oh man, two more nights of this. And my sleeping bag is going to be soaking wet. It's like, um, yeah, it gets a little wet, but then I like, get throw it in the pack and then just throughout the day, just inside the backpack, it dries out. So it's been a, been a complete non-issue for me. Yeah. And I, I think that's, I think if you, like you kind of talked about going back, if you Google search like baby stacks and condensation, I bet like the vast majority of those reviews and blog articles are talking about these full waterproof Gore-Tex style bivvies that are just a completely different animal than what these are. Yeah. Yeah. They're just different. They're both called bivvies and they're very different products for sure. Yeah. Um, cool. Yeah. There's some other, some other, I'm just scrolling through. We had multiple <laughs> listener questions, but I think we hit on most, all of the points in, in that conversation there. Uh, there's questions on choosing a bivy, both having a recommendation specifically from a budget standpoint, as well as a, like a high end performance standpoint. Again, like the, the bivvies we're talking about, your budget's basically going to be a hundred to 125 bucks um, for anything. What we mentioned in that range, I, I just don't have much to recommend outside of that. Um, again, for the types of bivvies that we're talking about, there may be something cheaper out there, shoot, maybe on eBay or something, but um, going with something like the Bora, the Catabatic, uh, Mind Lightning Equipment, when it was made, was in that price point. Um, so yeah, that's, that's the ballpark of budget that you're looking at. Um, there's questions on, do you need to use a specific type of sleeping bag or quilt if you're considering using a bivy and a tarp setup? Um, that's a good question. I, I think the answer is probably no, though. I don't think you need to use something specific, um, a sleeping bag or a quilt down or synthetic, um, you know, there's different, obviously variables there based on your preference. Um, that is one thing worth mentioning too, on, a, again, a lot of these bivvies we're talking about because they're coming from smaller, 
more cottage made manufacturers, you have a lot of size options. And so I wouldn't say you need a specific type of sleeping bag or quilt, but I will say, uh, pair the size of your bivy with, um, obviously your build, but also the size of your sleeping bag and quilt. So, um, you're going to be able to get like a regular length versus a long length, a regular width versus a wide width. Um, and obviously there's uh, variables there, um, that may go well, but I, I don't, yeah, there's nothing to me that Steve that stands out on like pros cons of say quilt versus sleeping bag specifically for using a bivy. Is there for you? Um, are the only pro I see is, you know, the few people that don't like quilts don't like having to kind of keep in mind that the draft on the side, right. They just want to like roll over and roll over and not have to like correct their pad or their sleeping bag. Um, so with the quilt and the baby sack, again, you kind of eliminate those drafts. So it's like, if you, if you like to quilt, but end up going back to a sleeping bag, um, that it's one pro that the, the, the baby sack reduces the drafts on the quilt. Mm, cool. Jake, did you not off? Nope. Nope. I'm still here. I'm listening. <laughs> Just gaining information. I'm not much of a tarp guy, so this isn't really my cup of tea to really talk about. So what's your, what's like, uh, you're going backpack hunting with your dad or a buddy. What's your go-to shelter? Well, so I mean, I've been using the same shelter for three years. It's that six moons design lunar solo. I, I tried a tarp. Um, Steve, you gave me like one of the prototype Jimmy tarps, uh, baby sack, which was a little too small for me, but I used that with, I think it's a, is it a Gunnison tarp? I don't even think Seek Outside makes that anymore. I use that. Um, yeah, I just wasn't a huge fan. So hmm. that's kind of my deal is I, I just like the, uh, the Lunar Solo. That's, uh, it's been so, a good one. Like not a fan, like you don't like, is that the just, mental thing? Like, yeah, uh, ah, yeah, I need a shelter. Yeah, absolutely. I didn't like a, just being cooped up in a bivy. Yeah, it, <laughs> exactly, takes, yeah. it takes a while to get used to for sure oh yeah I, I i used the bivy on the the 100 miler the first 100 miler death hike um and yeah definitely that was like the first time i used it and i wasn't a fan so cool um what are we doing jake for show season here for our uh wrestling rematch you and i do, and do we have anything planned <laughs> Oh man, wrestling 2.0. I don't think so. No, this we is have 3.0, to. bro. Dude, I, uh, 3.0. I don't know. I was talking to Steve, man. It sounds like we're going to have no fun. He gave me a curfew, <laughs> no bars. It's like, what? Jake is like, Mark and Steve are getting so old. So I remember like, for those who don't know, I turned 21 last year and obviously we didn't go to shows last year. And that was like, I felt so bad for the past three years I've been going to shows is because every time they take me along, it's like, we always go to these places that have no lines. You can easily get in, but you have to be 21. And so I'm like, Oh, I'm that guy. We can't get in. And then on the other places that do accept, you know, people who are underage, uh, it takes two hours to get to. Well, now I've been looking forward to the day of going out, hanging with my work crew and, you know, <laughs> knocking back a couple cold ones. And Steve was like, yep, you have a curfew. Uh, no, probably no bars. We got an Airbnb. I'm like, Oh my gosh. Like, <laughs> why couldn't I have been born in 99 and at least, you know, had one good time. No, I'm just kidding. So, <laughs> born in uh, 99. That sounds crazy. Sorry. <laughs> did I make wow. you guys feel old yet? I did. Yeah. yeah. March Jeez. of 2000. Anyways. Um, I yeah, simply I said you, you can't show up in, at the Airbnb in three in the morning, pissed over and be hung over the whole next day. 
It's not like I've been hungover at a booth before, Steve. I'm no. <laughs> oh man. I was gonna say I didn't hear you all definitely have yet, Jake, so, haven't yeah. Jake. You weren't funny well. That's true. Yeah. Oh man. Anyways, uh wrestling matches. That'd be we should try to do something, but I don't know. I don't know if I mean since you're getting old, you know, bones are probably <laughs> I just need to like away. stretch first. I gotta limber out. Like, you <laughs> can't like just come up and surprise attack. Oh man, what's the sleeping situation? Where are we? Uh, are we doubling up. Who's sleeping uh, with Steve? Yeah, I think you and Pat have to share like a twin bed. Oh. Um, Mark and I each have king beds. <laughs> I'll take the floor. That sounds about right. <laughs> I'll take the baby sack and tarp. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, I can bring one for you to borrow for sure. All right, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, cool, guys. Thanks for tuning in. As always, uh, if you have questions for the show, send an email to podcast at xmomgear.com. If you're coming to the shows, we're super excited to see you there, meet you. So whether you're interested in checking out packs or not, come say hey, um, and we will talk to you guys soon.